Woo. I done had church. I don't know about you. How about that? Yes, Lord. Amen. It's exciting. Um, kind of humbling, too, you know. Yeah. Ooh, thank you, Lord. So, hope you're good. God help me. I'm going to go ahead and get started here. I'm going to read a scripture, two script, two verses. Second uh, Corinthians 4, 6. Awesome. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The, everybody say, the light, the light. of the knowledge, the knowledge of the glory of God, glory of God. in the face of Jesus Christ. So this is talking about revelation knowledge that God has, has given us, who's commanded uh, that to come uh, into the people's hearts. You're, God has commanded it. That's what it says. God commanded light to shine out of darkness. And it's shown in our hearts uh, to give us this revelation of the glory of God. There's a, it's not something that we can understand with our mind. It's not something we gain by revelation. And God has commanded it to be so. And so this is the New Testament truth that the glory of God is already on the earth. That's what the Bible teaches, that God has already placed His glory in a person and sent that person to the earth. And that person, of course, is, is Christ. And God won't, and, but we can't know this person. We can't know this glory unless it's revealed to us. Are y'all following me? And, and so God is wanting to reveal to us what has already taken place in the spirit world. That what has already happened. Um, I was reading this week in Isaiah where Isaiah heard in heaven when Isaiah 6, where he, he heard the angels declaring that the whole earth is full of the glory of God. They didn't say heaven was full of the glory. They said the earth is full of the glory. And the angels were decreeing something. They were declaring something that was going to happen. That's what they were hearing. That's what Isaiah was hearing. And then later, years later, down the road in Isaiah's ministry towards the Towards the end of all what he had done from, you know, chapter 6, I think the chapter, whatever it was, 63 or 64, where he had that amazing prayer that I talked about, oh, that you would rend heaven because he had not seen what he had heard in heaven yet. Oh, that you would rend heaven and come down. That's what he was declaring. That's why he prayed that prayer, I believe, is because he saw it in heaven. He heard it in heaven. And then uh, years later, Habakkuk, uh, prayed at us, uh, declared this. He said, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will, will fill the earth. The knowledge. In other words, he was saying, uh, there's going to need to be revelation because God has filled the earth with His glory. I'll tell you this. That's the biblical truth. God's glory is here. And I think we should fall in love with that word glory. I really do. I'm feeling like we need to fall in love. I'm feeling like I do. This is what Peter says, Second Peter 1, 3. His divine power has, has given to us all things. Has given. Didn't say will give. Has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. 
through the knowledge, through the revelation of Him who called us, what? By glory and virtue. Has given. God has already given it. That's what Peter was trying to let people know. This amazing truth that God has already given something. And everything that we need for life. And everything we need to live a righteous, godly life on this earth has been given to us already. Isn't that an amazing thought? But the, the thing is, we don't always know it. The thing is, we don't always see it. And God wants to take the church on a journey. The journey is to discover what has already been given to us and to discover the spiritual revelation, discover the spiritual world that has been opened to us, that heaven's been opened to us. And God wants to lead us into that place where we would begin to know that and experience that and see that. That's what the New Testament is all about. It's about teaching us that something has already taken place and that we already have something. And it's easier to ask God to give you something, to bring you into the reality of something that you already have versus trying to get Him to do something. Now, that really will shift your life when you begin to see this. But I will tell you this. It's a journey. It's a big Well, let me just say it like this. In my life, it's been a big journey. And you're going to have to fight for some things. Okay? You're going to have to fight. You know, I believe we are in a time of restoration. Well, of course we are. The Bible says that Jesus is held in heaven to the restoration of all things. I mean, that's what the Bible says. So we've been in a time of restoration since, the, since Christ left the earth. But there are particular moments where God is emphasizing restoration. I believe we are. And many people are looking for God to restore something in their life. And rightfully so. It may be your health. That's amazing. Maybe you lost your health. Maybe you lost your, your finances. Maybe you lost your dreams. Maybe you lost your, your, your relationships. All these are, maybe you've lost people. And God is interested in restoring those things to people. And, well, for me, one of the greatest things that God has ever given me is revelation. And there's a war for revelation. There's a war for revelation. The devil will fight you over this. And I feel like I have had to fight tooth and nail for this. Uh, when you're in the flames of despair, or when you're in the flames of being tried, not, you wonder what you believe. You, don't, you just like trusting God. You know, I'm just trusting you, Lord, that the blood is sufficient. I'm just trusting you I can get through this day. You know what I'm saying? And you begin to question things, right? You begin to question things. I'm not talking to anybody in here in this room. Am I the only idiot in this room? Not that you're idiots, but the person in this room who, I'm calling myself that, the person in this room that struggles in life, struggles when God is real to you in a moment and reveals something to you in a moment. But then there comes a time when the fire of God comes into your life and there's a burning and there's a testing. And it's in that moment that you wonder if you're losing everything. And the Bible declares it will be tested. That everything will be tested by fire and some things will burn up. And we'll have loss. 
Because there are wood, hay, and stubble in our life, and those things burn away. But the thing that God has given us will never burn away. It will be refined. It will be tempered. That's what I've discovered. Are y'all following this? So, anyways, um, Lord, help me, please. <laughs> How do you engage? This is my thought. How do you engage with what God's already done? How do you engage if there's an open heaven, which I, I am 100% is biblically true. There's not an if to it. There is. There is. And you have to believe it. You have to believe it. Just like you have to believe that the blood is sufficient. You have to believe that Christ provided that for us. If you don't believe that, you're not even in the doorway with it. That's, that's just the way it is. It's what the Bible t- clearly teaches. Clearly. Yet we've been taught something else. We've had this mixture in our life. We've had a mixture of old and new. Where in the old we were trying to get God. In the old covenant, what, the way they experienced God, they did it based on what they did. If they prayed, if they gave, if they did these things, God would, if they would have obeyed. All those things are awesome. They were like the prerequisites. In other words, if you're going to go to the university and you want to sign up for calculus classes, they want to tell you, they're going to tell you this, you can't take calculus until you take algebra. Right, math teacher? <laughs> right? You got to have, algebra is a prerequisite to calculus. But once you get algebra, you can have calculus. Well, the Old Testament, everything was a prerequisite. Prayer was a prerequisite. Worship was a prerequisite. Giving was a prerequisite. Obedience was a prerequisite. New Testament is opposite. New Testament, these are all results. These are all because of what God has done, we pray. Because of what God has done, we've given. Because He's already done it. God has already obeyed. We, that Deuteronomy, if you obey, you'll be the head, not the tail. And people have preached that. and It sounds great, but it's not the truth for us. It is not the truth for us. Christ has fulfilled that. If we step into Him and allow Him to step into us. Now, that doesn't mean we should disobey, obviously. I'm not preaching against, I'm not preaching for disobedience. What I'm preaching for is for a new covenant mentality. That's what I'm preaching for. And not the mix. Get, let's get rid of the mix. Oh, I did want to say this. I, I listened to four messages this week that were given to me by different people about the eclipse that's going to happen tomorrow. They were all very interesting, and they all came to different conclusions. I loved every one of them because every one of them really had information in there that spoke to me. And so my conclusion about the eclipse, I, I think this, I just want to say this, is one, I would not allow my children to put any kind of glasses on and look at the eclipse. That's just my, I'm not really trusting that. Yeah. Go to the welding store and get some certified welding goggles. And put them on. But these glasses, I'm not sure about them. Because it can. Because I have a friend. When I was in high school, there was an eclipse. He has terrible eyesight today from looking at that eclipse. Now, he didn't use glasses. He was just a smart aleck. Because when it happened in high school, when I was in high school, they put us in a room, shut all the blinds. Didn't want us looking at it. And he, went, he pulled the blind. There ain't nothing wrong with this. <laughs> I saw him years later, and he had terrible eyesight. And he said, I made a big mistake. Anyways, that's besides the subject, but the point I was making, though, I do believe that eclipse, the eclipse is a sign from the Lord. 
I believe that. I don't know what it means. I don't understand it, what it means, actually. But I do believe God is doing stuff and is trying to speak to us. I don't know what he's speaking. I don't know what the outcome of it is. Um, so, but I would just say enjoy this eclipse. This is amazing what's happening. Because God does speak through nature. Amen? Are you okay? I'm not. <laughs> Let me read this. I want to read this. Okay, the Old Testament, let me just tell you, the Old Testament is a great teaching tool because in the Old Testament, it teaches us things about the open heaven. It teaches us things about the New Testament. That's what I love about it. It tells you things that we can learn and we can glean from. And, and so I wanted to read this story out of Samuel to you, which I think is powerful it's, uh, let me read 1 Samuel 3, verse 1. It says, Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. Eli was a high priest in those days. And Eli was a bad guy. He was a bad high priest. He was old. He was going blind. Okay, And he had two sons that raped women, stole from the Lord, and were abusive. And Eli wouldn't call them out on it. Eli would not call his sons out for what they were doing. And God was not happy with Eli. Y'all have heard that term Ichabod before? The glory has departed. Well, it happened on Eli's watch. The ark was captured by the Philistines. Remember, David took the ark back in. He went back and got it. Well, it happened under Eli. This was a long time ago. Samuel the prophet who actually put David in place as a king was a little boy when all this stuff was happening. I just gave you a lot of history. Okay, but it's just an amazing story uh, about Samuel and who he was and how, how the Lord used him. Listen to this. In, uh, now, when they say the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord, people don't know how old he was. He was young. Possibly 12 or 13 is what a lot of you know, people who know stuff say, but nobody really knows. So we could assume he was a 12 or 13-year-old kid ministering to, in the sanctuary, in the tabernacle, of Moses, which was located at Shiloh at the time. And that's where the Ark of the Covenant was located, which the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of the Lord. It was the great thing in those, those days. And it says, the, listen, the word of the Lord was rare, rare in those days. And uh, one of the translations says the word of the Lord was precious in those days. You know, like a stone, like a precious stone. There's not a lot of it. And so when you do get it, Sometimes we need to think if the word of the Lord's rare in your life. It, then it says this, there was no widespread revelation. That was a bad time. That was, that was a closed heaven is what he was describing there. He was describing God was not talking to nobody. God was not revealing his heart to nobody. Nobody was hearing from God. Very little was happening spiritually. That was what was going on in the nation of Israel and that was when the, when the Philistines actually captured the ark of the Lord because they took it out into battle and they captured it. The Philistines, which means the flesh. And they captured, they took the very presence of the Lord away from Israel and took it and stuck it in this temple. And y'all, the story of the temple, you know, all these God, Dagon, this, the Philistine God started falling apart and they got warts and boils on their bottom. <laughs> it was a rough day. Huh? Literally, that's what was happening to them. And they figured out, it's that dog in the heart. Get it, get it out of here. Rats were infesting the place. Because they had, had this ark in there. And God wasn't, so God was just letting some stuff happen. 
I think that's crazy, isn't it? Boils on their bottom. Woo, Lord, don't sit down. It was like having the worst case of hemorrhoids imaginable. You know? I mean, that's just what was going on with these poor people. Well, that was the first verse of the chapter. This is what's fascinating. The last verse in in, in chapter 3, it says, Then the Lord appeared, what, again in Shiloh. The Lord appeared again. Like, there was these appearances of the Lord. The Lord was beginning to reveal himself. For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord or by revelation. So something happened. You know, the first of the chapter, it starts out terrible. Heaven is closed. In the Old Testament, it opened and closed. It was closed. By the end of the chapter, there's an open heaven. God's beginning to appear. God's beginning to reveal himself and speak to Samuel. And Samuel began to proclaim, you know, and it goes on, uh, you know, all the stuff. So I wanted to, that was the question, what happened? That's the question we should, when you read something, what the heck happened? What changed? See, that's where we learn from the Old Testament. That's how we learn the ways of the Lord and how we learn how to, how to engage, not to open heaven, but to tap in to what God's already done, to tap in to, to the spiritual realm, to tap into this, this open heaven. See, that's what will teach us that. Are y'all following me? Somebody is. One person is. All right, let me read this because... So, and this is, I'm going back to verse 2 at the top. And it came to pass, this is such an amazing story. I just love this. But I got to hurry up, okay? I got to get with the program here. It came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down in his place when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see. And before the lamp of the Lord went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was lying down. In other words, it was nighttime. It was possibly really early in the morning because it said before the lamp, they kept the oil in the lamp, kept it burning. Okay, so it was nighttime. They were in bed. They were sleeping. Uh, and before the lamp, you know, Samuel was laying down. Verse 4, that the Lord called Samuel and he answered, Here I am. The Lord, he heard a voice. He heard his, heard his name called out while he was laying there in bed. That's, a, that's a, an awesome moment when that happens. Anybody ever had that? Yes, that's good. Answer. <laughs> and he answered, here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. And he said, I did not call, lie down again. And he went and lay down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. He answered, I did not call my son. He's sort of getting aggravated with him. Look, son, go lay down. <laughs> you know, quit waking me up. Now Samuel, listen, Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. He did not yet know that. Think about it. Samuel lived right there. The Ark of the Covenant was right there where he was sleeping. He was right there around. But he didn't, it says he didn't know the Lord. He didn't have an experience with the Lord. There was no understanding. There was no revelation. So that's a pretty obvious point, right? You can be around God and not know it. God can be doing some things all around you all the time, you see? See, that's the thing that I want you to hear this morning. Just because there's an open heaven doesn't mean you're in, in contact with it. It doesn't mean you're in touch with it. If the Bible declares that Christ has opened heaven, 
then it's open. There's no discussion. There's no argument against it. The thing is, are we able to tap in and experience that open heaven? That's, that's, see, that's where it comes to us. That's where, where God wants to speak to us. First, he wants us to convince us that heaven is open. That God answered Isaiah's prayer. Heaven has been torn open. Christ has come down. The veil was rent. His flesh was the veil. It was torn open. He's made a way for us to experience this. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to automatically experience it. Now, I think that's the thing. That's where the war comes. That's where the fight comes. Are y'all good? So, anyways, Lord help, right? I'll get back to that in just a second. Let me finish this little part here. Now, Samuel did not know the Lord. Okay, and in verse 8, it says, And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So this is the third time the Lord called him. So he arose and went to the and said, Here I am for you. You did call me. <laughs> I love that. You did call me. I don't care what you said. You called me. I heard you. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Eli finally was catching, oh, this is, this is the Lord. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, go lie down, and it shall be if he calls you that you must say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. To speak. Now, so Samuel went and lay down, and now the Lord, and this is different. Catch this. The Lord came. It didn't say before the Lord came. It just said the Lord spoke. But this time, the Lord himself, the presence of the Lord came into the place where Samuel was laying. And then the Lord spoke. You see the difference? It says the Lord came and stood and called at other times. But this time he just didn't say Samuel. He said Samuel, Samuel. In other words, God was being more deliberate with him. So... He could connect with God and could connect with what was going on. Isn't this amazing? And Samuel answered and said, Speak uh, for your servant hears. Speak for your servant hears. And then the Lord goes on and starts telling him a bunch of stuff. And I'll tell you this. Samuel's life shifted in that moment. Samuel's life was completely changed in that moment because he had God speak to him. He experienced God's presence and he, 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 he became Samuel the prophet, the guy who ordained King David eventually. The man, he ruled the nation for years, okay, out of this one encounter. And he took down everything. He, basically, the Lord said, I'm gonna, what I'm going to tell you is would, people's ears would tingle when they hear this. And he told him what he was going to do to Eli. And he told him, this is why I'm doing it. And everything that Samuel heard that night, happened. Everything. It was like this amazing thing that happened. And so you see one thing, when we begin to really truly experience an open heaven, there's going to be a shift in your life. Something's going to happen when true revelation from God begins to flow in your life. And see, that's one of the beauties about this thing. Now, let me just read this right quick. Are y'all still awake? Let me read this. I've, I've mentioned this scripture a couple times, and we've probably read it a few times years ago, but this is, uh, you know, the famous scripture about the open heaven. It's in Genesis 28 when uh, Jacob wound up on this um, mountaintop and went to bed, put a stone under his head and went to bed and, and had a dream. And this is what it says in verse 16. This is very instructive right here. 
Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely, listen, surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. That right there is, you know, the first place in the Bible where it talks about an open heaven, a gate of heaven, the house of God, the first place in the Bible. And the thing that Jacob said, that's what I said a while ago, I did not know it. I didn't know it. I didn't know it. Now, see, that's the state of the church. That's the state of our lives. Is God can be somewhere. We can be right here in this heavenly realm wide open to us. Heaven can be totally open. We can have total access to God, and we don't know it. And see, you see that, and, and, and here's another way that scripture was fulfilled. You know, Jacob, that was Jacob's ladder dream. Jesus later said, I'm Jacob's ladder. And Jacob, Israel, did not know that God was there, right? God came as a Messiah for Israel, and they didn't know. He was prophesying in a sense. Do y'all follow that? See, this, this, what, a lot of times what happens is these things set the stage. And that's why how we can learn from these. Instead of trying to copy how they did it, let's learn from what they got. Let's learn that God can be very available to us and we're not even know it. And, because, and if we don't know it, it doesn't really help us. And God wants us to know it because God wants to teach us how to engage Him and engage something that's open instead of trying to get God to do things and, and all that crazy. Let's figure out what God's doing and what God's done and let that be the thing that we engage Him with. It really makes a difference. And then He said... Um, and he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God and the gate of heaven. But it took a dream from the Lord. It took a dream from the Lord to reveal to him that was revelation to Jacob. It took, it took something supernatural for him to be able to understand that there really was a gate of heaven there. And so for us, it's like with, with Samuel, it took, Samuel didn't know the Lord. Samuel didn't had no encounters with the Lord. God did something. God came and spoke and God revealed himself. Even though God was right there in the ark right next to him. And God came and revealed himself and Samuel realized there God's available. And so, you know, for us, you know, lots of times God reveals himself to people. God gives people dreams. God's doing all this stuff, but we're, it's like we're not following through with it. It's like we're not realizing that God's trying to show us something. God's trying to show that He's here. He's available. And He wants us to tap in to that. Here's what 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says in the New Testament that I love that really helped me at one point in my life when I was really struggling with what I'm talking to you about because I've struggled through all of it and I still struggle with it. I still sit in my house praying sometimes like, Lord, this doesn't feel like an open heaven. This feels like nothing. I'm sitting here thinking about the color of the paint on the wall when I should be engaging you, but I'm, I'm not feeling nothing. I'm not sensing nothing. You know, but that doesn't mean God's not there. See, that's the thing. And this is what Paul said. Now, the, no, it said, for now we see in a mirror, listen, dimly. And as Don Casperson told me a few years ago, the mirror in the scripture was a black polished stone. That's what a mirror was. It wasn't like what you go in the bathroom and with a big bunch of lights around you and, you know, it's shining brightly and you can see every pimple on your face and <laughs> put some dim lights on the mirror. <laughs> no, women like bright lights so they can cover all their flaws. 
Well, they don't have many flaws. Anyways. So the mirror of the Old Testament and the New Testament, was, it was dimly. You couldn't really see much. Think about looking at a black stone. It's a dim reflection of yourself. And so Paul, that's what Paul was saying. That he was saying that's how this spiritual world works, how this thing looks. It's dim now. But then he said, but he goes on, but later face to face. And that's why it throws us off a lot of times. Because what we're perceiving and what we're feeling is not like in full color. We can see everything real clear. It's really not that. And it throws a lot of believers off. But that doesn't mean heaven's not open. Just because you're not perceiving it clearly. And see, what you had to do is have a shift in your thinking to really be able to engage an open heaven. You had to really have to change the way you think about this thing. And when you begin to change the way you think about it, expecting some, you know, glamorous, you know, full-color thing, it's, most of the time it's not going to be like that. Okay? Let me read Psalm 29. I got to... Are y'all okay? I'm hoping this is helping you. I'm just sharing some of my terrible journey on this. Psalm 29, verse 9. I love this psalm right here. It's about the voice of the Lord. It says, the voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth. Isn't that beautiful? That is the most beautiful. I've loved that scripture forever. Wow, you see, that's what happened with Samuel. God spoke something and it birthed something in him. It burst something in him. It was awesome. It was beautiful. It was amazing. Okay? But it doesn't stop there. You know, I always just stop there, to be honest with you. I always just stop there. Like, I love that. That's so sweet. That's so beautiful. I love that picture of deers, you know. You know, the deer as a deer pan for the water brook. So my soul long. You know that psalm? It's in the Bible. It's all beautiful. You know, deers are beautiful unless you're a hunter and they're real beautiful then. And, you know, you want to shoot them, but you know, you know how deers emit something. They communicate something really awesome, and call and the voice causing a birthing to happen. That's awesome. But then it says this crazy thing. It's just crazy, and and it's talking about the voice of the Lord, and it strips the forest bare. It strips. His gut, the voice of the Lord is not only something beautiful and awesome and causes birth, but it also has this stripping power in it. Where God strips away stuff off in people. That's beautiful too. Because God's voice is not only going to birth things in you, but it's going to strip things out of your life. Things that hurt you. Things that hold you back. It strips all that stuff. That's what God wants to do. That's why, why God wants people to have this encounter with Him. That's why God wants to have people to have dreams. That's why God wants to speak to people because He wants to burst something in people and He wants to strip things away from people. Boy, the church needs some stuff stripped off of it, I think. It, what they were saying up there about the religion, Christina was saying about the religion and all that. Yeah, all that stuff needs to be stripped away. That's the tree, that's the forest that needs a stripping is to get the religion off of us, get the lies off of us. And then it says... Uh, and in his temple, everyone says what? Glory. glory. And that see that word glory? Isn't that, I started out talking to you about glory. Um, so here's the thing. Um, if we'll pray, pray. If we'll pray, Lord, I need the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I, I need that, Lord. 
so I can experience what's already done. And saying, instead of saying, oh, Lord, open heaven. No, Lord, no, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Let me have that spirit of wisdom. Let my eyes of my what, understanding. That's what they're talking about, the eyes of your understanding, your mind. Let that be opened. Let that be illuminated so I can begin to see some things. See, that's what happened to Samuel. It said Samuel didn't know the Lord. He didn't know the voice of the Lord. But he had this encounter. His eyes were open. He saw something. He saw God. He, he heard God. He heard God's heart. He heard God's intentions. That's what happened to him. And that's what God wants for everybody. He wants all, all of us to hear his voice, to experience his presence. And I think it's really important what they were singing up there today. We love your presence. I love, you know, that's what I want to be known for, right? all I want to be known for. Because um, God not, doesn't want to just give us his voice or just his presence. He wants to be like he did with Samuel. He wants his presence to come with his voice speaking to us. Are y'all following that? Are y'all good with this? Yeah. You know, the truth is, is what I shared with you, this, just a lot more to it. But this is, oh, man, if you can start getting this, I just pray you get it. I really do. This is, like I said, this, is, this has been a war. There's a war over this. There is a literal war for what I'm talking to you about. I don't know. Maybe it's not a war. It's been a terrible war for me, a terrible war. The fight for this revelation, the fight for this revelation that's true. That heaven really is open. That God really is available. And that God really wants to reveal Himself to people and speak to people and let people experience Him in a real way. It really is His heart. It's, and it, but the war was this. The war was in my mind. I, I just want to, maybe I'm repeating myself. The war was in my mind. Because I was fighting everything I had been taught all my Christian life about a brass heaven and about what I had to do to get God to move. I had to fight all of that. And a lot of those things are awesome things to do. Prayer's awesome. It really is. It's an awesome thing. But I'm not praying to get heaven open. I'm not praying to get access to God. I have that. I'm praying that I would know that. I would be assured of that. And when I begin to be assured of it and really know the reality of it, I can begin to experience God on a deeper level. And even then I begin to know how to pray better because I'll hear what He's saying and I can pray those things back. And that's when your prayers can really become effective. They can become real effective. It's like praying for people who have very bad sickness. The Bible says, First Peter, this is First Peter 2.24, by His stripes we are healed. It doesn't say God may heal you. It doesn't say that. And we had to, we had to fight for that. We had to fight for that. When we pray for somebody and they die, we have to go back and fight for that. We had to go back and say to God, wait a minute. 
they died. I don't know why they died. Maybe it was their time, but it doesn't seem like it. You said this. You said it, Lord. I'm fighting for it. So I'm going to pray for the next one. That's how I feel. Like, okay, I've literally said that. Not around the family, but when somebody died, next. Because I had to say it. I had to say it or I knew I would lose hope in that scripture. Like next, and I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep going, I'm going to keep going, and I'm going to keep going until I see that scripture become a reality in people's life. Now what that scripture teaches is this. This is what it's teaching us. In our spirit, we're healed. Everybody in this room, you're 100% whole in your spirit. But we need the manifestation of it in our soul and in our physical self. And so there is a war around all this. There's a real war. There's a real battle for it. But it's a battle worth fighting. Yeah. Amen. Keeping our eyes on what does the Bible say? Hebrews 13. Looking in Jesus, the author and finish of our faith. Run the race, whatever it says. That's right. So, let me pray. Are y'all, Lord, I just pray. I pray this for you guys. I, I pray it for me. I pray it for me too, Lord. I haven't, I haven't, I'm not, what I'm telling you today, I'm not declaring I'm there. But I'm, I'm headed there. It's like the old saying, I may not arrive, but I have left the bus station. I'm on the way. I'm on the way. I'm on the way. God wants you on the way. You don't have to have it perfect, but He wants you on the way. He wants you to say, He wants you to say, Lord, I want this. I, I'm deciding today I'm going for this, Lord. I'm going to fight it. I'm going to fight it. I'm going to fight every doubt, every lie that comes to me. But I'm going, Lord. I'm going to go. I'm going to pray for my friends, and I'm going to declare over them. I'm going to tell myself when I get ready to pray for them, by His stripes we are healed. I'm going to remind myself before I touch a person to pray for them. I'm going to remind myself of that truth so I can stand there and declare something not based on my feelings or based on what I see, but based on what God has already done and what God has written down in the book for us. Amen. Yes. And sometimes you do that and it feels like powder in your mouth. But it ain't powder in God's mouth, I'll tell you that. And so, Lord, we just pray that this morning. We just pray that by your stripes we are healed. We just thank you, Lord, today. Heaven is open. Thank you that you've already healed us. Who has terrible sickness in this room this morning? Would you please walk up here? I'm talking about if you've got terrible sickness in your life. I'm not talking about you just kind of crummy feeling. Of course, that works too. I'm just saying something that an aspirin won't fix. Come up here. Please come up here. If you really need God to really, if you really need that scripture to be a reality in your life, in your body, come on up here. Because we're going to, as a, as, a, as a church body who believes by his stripes we are here, we're going to pray for you and believe that. Before we pray for you, we're going to tell ourselves this. Anybody else? Anybody Please come up here. Don't be embarrassed. If you really need that. See, this is... I was thinking about you, Kurt, the other day. I was praying for you yesterday, actually. 
I was praying that God would do this for you, that you would hear a pop in your ear, and all that pain would go away, and you start hearing again. Yeah, you, need, yeah. you need a miracle. Anybody else? See, we got to get dissatisfied with just knowing stuff. We got to get satisfied with doing stuff. Anybody else? You know, just be brave. You know, be brave. Be brave. And we're going to ask everybody, we're on the ministry team to come in here and be like the point of contact. But we're going to declare this this morning. Y'all come on up here. If you really believe this, or if you want to believe this, even it doesn't matter, Lord. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief, kind of thing. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Now, listen. This is what we're going to do before we start praying. We're going to remind ourselves: by His stripes we are healed. Look it up if you don't believe us. Now, by His stripes we are healed. We are our settled fact in heaven, just like those angels. In Isaiah 6, the earth is full of His glory. And I can just see Isaiah saying, No, it's not. And he finally got to a place where he says, I'm not going to be satisfied till I see it. And we shouldn't be satisfied until we see the truth being manifested in our life. The Word of the Lord being manifested. So start praying for these people and declaring Lord, by your stripes we're healed. We declare this healing. We call it forth to manifest today, Lord. We call for miracles in this room, Lord. Lord, we're stupid enough to go for it. We're naive. We're childish enough, Lord, to step into this thing and declare your healing power. Let's just pray and ask the Lord to do it. guys out there reach your hands and release release this declare this if you want to come up here and lay hands on somebody come up here and lay hands on them if one person walks out of here healed today it'd be worth it if one person gets the miracle it'd be worth it if nobody walks out here today it's still worth it it's still worth it. God is worth it. God is worth trying Him. God is worth us going after it. And putting ourselves on the line and saying, Lord, I'm going to believe again. I'm going to trust again. I'm going to believe you do stuff, Lord. We just release your power in this room today, Lord, in a fresh way. Over every person, we pray for revelation to flow like a river over our minds and our hearts today. We pray, Lord, you would heal, heal, heal. Let your healing manifest, Lord. Let your kingdom come and your will be done.